Welcome to the Treasure Coast Community Church Podcast. TC3 Church is located in Stewart, Florida, and we're thankful that your listening journey has brought you to us. Our prayer is that everyone who tunes in connects the life-changing power of Jesus Christ in a real way. You will also discover, if you dig a little deeper, that TC3 is full of imperfect people who are simply striving daily to be more like Christ than they were the day before. The journey for us is about progress, not perfection. We pray that as you listen, you will be filled with hope, endurance, and joy as you experience life change. Enjoy today's message. Palm Sunday. For me, it brings up a little bit of church trauma. For you, it might bring in different emotions, but for me, church trauma comes into my world because when I took my first youth pastorate, I didn't know that I'd be signing up also to be in the choir. And if you know anything about me, you know that I have no rhythm and you know that I can't sing. And the pastor made me be in the choir and if you're in the choir, you're in the cantata. Remember the cantata? And the only thing about someone who doesn't want, or someone who can't sing is someone who can't sing and doesn't want to be in the choir. I had the lead role in the cantata. Picture me in biblical garb, and my job is to lead out the choir. We're at the back of the auditorium. I've got my Bible outfit on, and my job is to blow the door. When the, when the lights go dark, my job is to blow the doors open and scream, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! Pretty good, huh? And... And so I did that, but I did that because I didn't like my job and I wanted to just annoy and scare everybody. And so then the procession would follow behind me and I would head up onto the stage and two hours of misery would begin for me and everybody else that caught wind of my mic. Now today we celebrate Palm Sunday. It's the day when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he declares himself the Messiah. When you hear uh, the story about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, it has to take you to a place of understanding that God is the God of all details. Like a lot of times we think in our lives that God doesn't care about the details, but when you, when you dig into the story of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, you really get a handle on the fact that God is the God of details, and God is always at work. So some of us, like, we're feeling like we've been abandoned by God. Listen, God is at work behind the scenes working on the details. Some of us, we might be with somebody this morning, but we also feel incredibly alone. God knows and he's at work behind the scenes working on the details. For some of us, our world is falling apart. Like we didn't sign up for this and for what's going on in our world. Listen, God is at work behind the scenes taking care of the details. Job talks about this, and if you know anything about the story of Job, you know that he experienced some tremendous misery in his life. But if you go into the first book of the Bible, Job, if you're new to uh, understanding uh, things in the text of Scripture, Job, Job 34.20, he said after kind of everything had gone on in his world where his world had been wrecked, he said, God is working behind the scenes. And on Palm Sunday, that's exactly 
what we see. We see that Jesus had this appointment to keep. Because back in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel had prophesied they were in exile, right? The nation had been basically taken over and destroyed, and he was in exile, and God gives him this word for the future, and he says, listen, after 70 weeks is completed, like, you're going to see me, or after the, t- the temple is, is rebuilt, you're going to see me bring the anointed one into Israel, And so if you're a prophecy buff, you can literally go into Daniel chapter 9, and the Jewish people would have known the exact day that Jesus was going to be coming into Jerusalem. The anointed one sent from God, the Messiah, would come. And it's a picture of how God is always at work behind the scenes because, again, Daniel's talking about this while he's in exile, while the nation is destroyed, about this future day 500 or so years later. God's always working on his plan and his purpose for us. He's always working on his plan and his purpose for the world around us. He's always at work, and we need to look for God at work in the details. Because if we can see God at work in the details, and think about your life. Take a minute and pause and go back into the history of your life where there were intersections where God showed up. Like there were divine appointments that happened. There were certain people that he brought into your life. There were certain events that took place that unless those events took place, you wouldn't be where you are today. Look back and see God at work in the details because if you and I see God at work in the details, we can trust him with the process. Like whatever's going on in our life, we can trust him with the process. If we can see God in the rear view mirror, like there are so many points in my life where I can see God's hand at work. In the life of this church, I call this church the little church that could because there were many times in the life of this church that it shouldn't have made it. But God was in the details and he's made sure that his church kept on moving forward. And if we can see God in the rear view mirror, we can trust him with what we're seeing out the windshield. If we can see the fingerprints of God in in the how, we can trust God in the areas in our life where we don't understand. And that's probably the biggest area in our world. But God is working on us, and he's working on the situations that are in in our lives right now. It's very personal. And as I was reading it, it got personal for me. I was like, God sees me. He knows what's going on. He knows what is supposed to come in front of us as a church. He knows what's in front of me as a person. He knows what's happening in my family and what he wants to orchestrate in the lives of my family and my kids. And Jesus said this. He said, he said listen, my father is always at his work. To this very day, he said, I too, while he's in front of the disciples, he said, I too am working. Jesus now has about a week to live. He knows what he's facing when he goes into Jerusalem. He had set his heart towards Jerusalem. Everything that he did after that point, right? He he knew where he was going and what he was going to be called to do and what we would have to accomplish. He's fully aware that his time on earth is running out. And Palm Sunday is when Jesus enters into Jerusalem to offer himself up. They don't take him. He offers himself up as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. He enters Jerusalem knowing that he'll be falsely accused. He knows that he'll be tried and 
convicted. He knows that he'll be mocked, beaten. Eventually, he'll have to carry his own cross down the Via Della Rosa, up to Calvary Mount, where he knows he'll be nailed to a, a cross. He knows that he'll be put to death up on that hill. He knows what he's getting ready to face. Now you look in the backstory, talking about God being the God of details, you go back about 800 years, God speaking to the prophet Isaiah. Before Christ is even born, he says, listen, there's gonna be a time where the world gets really, really dark. And there's gonna be a time where you wonder if I even exist. There's gonna be a time where it even goes silent. And some of us can relate to that right now. But he says, dark days are coming, but don't you lose hope. And then he gives us that incredible Christmas prophecy that we talk about in December where he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government, which many of us trust in uh, more than we should, and the government's going to be on his shoulders. And you're going to call him Wonderful Counselor. You're going to give him the name Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And there's this beautiful name that you're going to place on him, and it will be called the Prince of Peace. Of his greatness, of his government and peace, there will be no end, and he will reign on David's throne. And so 800 years from now, Isaiah, when the world goes dark, they're going to reflect on King David's reign and how King David expanded the territory, how there was growth and there was prosperity and there was peace in the land. And everybody had their eyes turned towards God. He's going to establish a throne like that. And he's going to uphold it with justice and righteousness, which the world is lacking today from that time on and forever. And then I love this passage. He said, and the zeal of the Lord, because you ask, well, how is this going to happen? Well, the zeal of the Lord is going to accomplish this. Well, so then we see Jesus coming into planet Earth. Isaiah knows that there is this new day dawning. He knows that a new light is going to shatter the darkness. He knows that grief is going to be turned to joy. And he knows that darkness is going to be turned into deliverance when Jesus comes. And he knows that Jesus offers that opportunity for the war inside of us to settle and turn into peace, in, even in the middle of difficult circumstances, because we can see that God is always working. And from a dark and despised region of Galilee, from a place where we would least expect it, God, he says to Isaiah, is going to send a, a deliverer. He's specific with the prophet Micah. He tells him even the town. He says, Mary, you're going to give him the name Jesus. He's going to save the people from their sins. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because he'll save the people from their sins. She's going to give birth to a son. He's going to save the people from their sins. And all of this is going to take place so that the people of God would be able to look at the details and see how I worked, and I'll undeniably stand out as the God who sits above the details, because God is always working. The Bible doesn't tell us clearly, but 
perhaps on a donkey, perhaps by a cart pulled by a donkey. Mary and Joseph make that 80-mile journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and Jesus is born into this manger, into a dark world, because the world needed a deliverer. The world needed a savior. Now, fast forward 33 years. Jesus is now famous. Like, he's, see, he's healing the sick. Demon-possessed people are being set free. He's working out miracles they'd never seen before. Like the feeding of the 5,000 was something they had never seen before. He teaches like no other rabbi had ever taught before. When he speaks, it's like the words are directly from God. It's piercing their soul and the angles that he comes at that baffles even rabbis. And then there's something amazing. He actually heals or brings dead people back to life. And even some of Lazarus's friends and those that were there when Lazarus was raised from the dead were at the scene when Jesus would come into Jerusalem. And the, Jew, the Jewish people desperately needed a Messiah. And if we understand kind of the time of Jesus' coming, Alexander the Great had conquered around 360 years before Jesus would be born. Now, when Alexander the Great came into a region, he was, he was set on making sure that culture uh, adapted to the Greek way of life. He wanted to make sure that uh, everybody knew the language that the Greeks spoke, that architecture would be imprinted, Greek architecture would be imprinted everywhere he went, and there would be a new governmental structure inspired by Greek rule. The Greeks had a radically different philosophy on uh, philosophy itself, on religion, and on morality. Completely different than the Jewish people. This happens 360 years before Christ is born. Then the Romans take over about 60 years before Christ is born. They put in this puppet king to, to rule over the nation of Israel. And then Jesus steps into history the Jewish people are surrounded by this cultural melting pot of different cultures because basically the region of Judea would be where conquering armies would make their way through when they're heading uh, south and back north again. And sometimes people talk about, you know, is there a God? And I, I, I think one of the cases that could be made for there being a God is the fact that there are that Jewish culture is still intact. Like how many people have tried to root out the Jewish people as a nation and as a people? But yet because God has placed his promise on them, they're still here. And their culture seems to thrive even in the midst of hardship because God's hand has continually been upon them and he has a plan for the Jewish nation as a whole. It's amazing that they were still intact after 360 years of Greek influence. But God is always at work in the details. It's finally time for Jesus to go public because you remember when Jesus would heal people, he'd go, shh, don't, don't talk about this. When he set the demon-possessed person free, he's like, let's, let's, not, let's not talk about this. And he was always kind of silencing the crowd and the, the people that got, got healed or, or touched in some special way by him. But finally, it's time for him to go 
public. For Zechariah's 500-year-old prophecy to come true. And now, here comes Jesus entering into Jerusalem. It says in Matthew chapter 1 that as he approached Jerusalem, he talked to a couple of the disciples and he said, listen, go ahead of me. There's going to be a donkey there. I want you to grab it. And if anybody asks you about it, then what I want you to say is that, that the, the master has need of them. And so if Jesus knows that there's a donkey in the town ahead, he certainly knows the details of my life and what's ahead of me in my life. It says in Matthew chapter 21, verses 4, it says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. See, your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. The disciples, it says, they did what Jesus asked them. They must have been scratching their head and were like, okay, well, I guess we're going to head up here. There's going to be a donkey there, and we're just going to grab it. Somebody's going to ask us, and we're going to say Jesus needs it, and it's going to all go well. Like, that's a strange ask of Jesus. But they do it. They find the donkey. They bring it back to Jesus. They place their their coats on top of it, and Jesus gets on top of this donkey, and he starts to ride into Jerusalem. And as he's riding into Jerusalem, it says, a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees, palm branches, and spread them on the road. Now, culturally, this is the way that that culture would celebrate conquerors coming in to town. They would cut palm branches and they would, they would place their cloaks as signs of respect in front of the animal that the conqueror was riding. And so they do that in honor of Jesus. Jesus' Jesus's position, he's coming in as king. His character is righteous. His purpose is salvation. His attitude, though, is different than other leaders. It's incredibly humble. And the crowd would recognize the importance of the event, but they would miss the purpose. And many of us today, we understand the importance of God, and we miss his purpose in and for our lives. They missed the point. The crowds that went ahead of him, those that followed, shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. What does that mean? It means, Lord, save us. It means save us right now. This world is miserable. I'm tired of an impressing government being over us. I'm ready for your kingdom, God, to be ushered in. I'm ready for peace. I'm ready for, for prosperity. I'm ready for all the blessings that God has for us. Rescue us, son of David. When Jesus comes riding in on a on donkey, this is literally prophecy on display. It pointed to this foreshadowing of another father and son. Back in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, there is this loving father named Abraham. And he puts his son Isaac on this donkey with the intent on, in Genesis chapter 22, is a really confusing passage of scripture if you're just reading the Bible for the first time, with the intent on honoring 
God's request to sacrifice him up on a mountain. And you ask, well, why would God call him to do this? What we should ask is, what can we learn from this? Because this is a foreshadowing. It's a picture of what would come in the future because in both accounts, in the account of Jesus and the account of Isaac, we see God at work in the details. With Isaac and Jesus, they're both long-awaited, beloved sons. Both of them are specifically called beloved sons. Both of them came into the world in a miraculous way. Isaac comes to a, a family that was well beyond childbearing years. Jesus was born supernaturally. Isaac and Jesus, interestingly enough, both carry wood on their backs to the place where they would be sacrificed. Isaac carries up the wood. Jesus carries his cross. In both stories, the father leads the son towards their mountain where they would be put to death, and the son obeys. In both situations, though, in Isaac's case specifically, God provides a substitute sacrifice. Instead of Abraham sacrificing Isaac, God provides a, a ram, it talks about in the text of Scripture. Jesus going to Calvary, right? He is the substitute for our sins so that we don't have to pay the price for our sins and experience the wrath of God. When Jesus comes in riding on this donkey, it is prophecy on display. It, it pointed to Zechariah's well-known prophecy that one day God was going to send the deliverer. And when he came into Jerusalem, he'd be riding on a donkey. It says it in Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 9. And if you were a Jewish person, whether you were trained in the synagogue or not, you knew about this prophecy where it says, See your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey. The long-awaited prophetic promise was fulfilled in Jesus coming in, riding in on a, a donkey. And then Zechariah talks about it. When it happens, he's going to remove the chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. And your king is going to bring in peace to the nations. And his realm is going to stretch to the ends of the earth. And God is saying, listen, I made this prophecy to, to promise to you, and I'm going to keep my word. I'm going to set prisoners free. I love what he says, return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. And the Jewish people were, and I believe still are, prisoners of hope. Such a beautiful phrase. And God is saying, I'm going to restore you and I'm going to give you twice as much. And that's why the crowds shouted. They shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, because this is Independence Day for them. This is, in their minds, the liberation day they'd been waiting for because Jesus was in the line of David, and in their minds, he was going to set up a kingdom just like David's, and he was going to usher in peace and prosperity. Because God is always working, Jesus rides into the city on a, a donkey to make salific or saving history. And when Jesus enters into Jerusalem, it says in the text of Scripture, the whole city was stirred. This word stirred means seismic. Like the whole city was shaking as Jesus came in 
to the city and they ask this question, who is this? So I ask you, who is Jesus? Some of them said Jesus is a prophet. He's from Nazareth in the Galilee. The religious leaders of the day thought, well, Jesus is just a a threat to our authority and our leadership of our own lives and the leadership leverage that we have over everybody else's lives. And while the people are deciding who Jesus is, he stops and he starts crying. Like his whole body starts shaking. He's weeping because he knows that in less than a week, this same crowd that was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, would be the same crowd that would shout, crucify him. He knows the pain of what's coming next because when we reject Jesus, it's always painful for us and those who are around us. But God is still working behind the scenes even when our decisions aren't good. And Jesus is providing them this opportunity. He comes riding in on this donkey because when he comes riding in on a donkey, he's riding in to kind of send this message that God was sending his son in peace. He wasn't on a war horse. He's riding in on a donkey. In the past, meeting with God meant certain death. Like you get in the Old Testament, when they met with God, it meant death. But God sends Jesus in on a donkey, and it's a picture of humility. It's a picture of God coming to mankind in peace, offering up this offering, his very best offering, his son. And Jesus is giving us this opportunity to choose peace. And so we can be like the religious leaders, and we can we can stand on the corners of the crowd and we can be skeptical and we can, we can boo at Jesus or we can blast him because he doesn't meet our expectations or we can, like many of them would do, humble themselves and bow, see him as the king. So the question is, is will we live to oppose him because that's what the religious leaders did or we, will we live for him? Today's an opportunity day, and some of us, man, we, we got a new picture of who Jesus is. And there has been this lacking inside of us, man. We, we haven't been able to figure it out, but as I was talking, and I, when I started out initially, and I talked about some of us feeling abandoned, some of us feeling like our world was spinning out of control, some of us were wondering if God notices, and yes, God notices. And so I'm gonna do two specific appeals. One is this, some of us, we have some details in our life and they've been all-consuming, overwhelming. And as I was talking, we're like, we came to the realization again, we knew it, but we came to it again. God's in charge of the details. But yet we've let the details overwhelm us. Today's a good day to let that burden go and let God be the CEO of the universe again. And so for some of us, we need to let go of the angst and the anxiety we've had over the details of our life. 
If that's you and you'd like to release those details today, I'm gonna pray with you. Would you just stick up your hand and just say, I gotta release some details, man. Life is getting to me right now. I gotta release some details. Good. That'll specifically be part of the prayer this morning and we're gonna leave those things here. Some of us, we've never embraced Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Like put him on the throne of our life. The Jewish people missed the opportunity because a week later they'd be sending him to the cross. Now we see God orchestrating the details and he worked out those details for us personally. And some of us, we're distant from God and we need to establish a relationship with God. And I'd love to pray with you that you could get your relationship established with God today. That he would be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You would know him as a God who never leaves you or forsakes you. He, you would know him as a God who loves you on your best day and your worst. And you wanna start that relationship with God. If that's you over here, you say, hey, I need to start a relationship with God. Would you pray with me this morning? Would you slip up your hand? Is there anybody in this section that needs to do that over here? Okay. What about this section? You'd say, hey, I need to establish a relationship with God. Good. Hands going up. This section. Hands going up. Good. This section over here, you'd say, I need to establish a relationship with God this morning. Anybody here in this section? What about this section over here? Okay. Over here. Okay. Let's pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, please come. Take control of my life from this day forward. I choose you over the world. Forgive me of my sins and heal my life. Today I am a new creation in Christ because of what Christ did for me. Father, right now I pray the seed of the gospel that was planted would grow inside of hearts and lives. I pray that you would give every one of us the courage to take the next steps that you're calling us to take. And I pray that we would know your love from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. And I pray that that seed would grow, Father, and not be diminished by anything in this world. I pray also for those of us that are carrying heavy loads and burdens today. I pray that those would be released to you today. And I pray that there would be a sense of freedom, knowing that you're the God who reigns over all the details of this world and over our lives. And I pray right now that there would be a freedom knowing that when we cast our cares on you, Father, you receive them because you told us to cast them on you and you care about us. So today I pray your kids would walk with a new sense of freedom. In Jesus' name we pray, receive new life and new freedom, amen. Let's celebrate those who've come to Christ this morning. Listen. This is important. If you've come to Christ, grab a new believer's packet at the info booth. Also, if you have come to Christ recently and you've not been baptized, sign up today, be a part of this celebration today, and let that be your next uh, step of obedience. God bless you this morning. Thank you for listening. We understand that life is a journey and that the journey has many stages. No matter what stage you're in, TC3 is a place where you can plug in and be poured into. So if you're looking for community, we would love to connect with you. Start by hitting the subscribe button, then click the connect link in today's episode. This is your opportunity to join in on what God is doing at TC3. We are confident that he's just getting started with us and with you. We look forward to sharing more of the path with you.